Welcome to What's Working in Marketing, a podcast for marketers that uncovers what's working across the digital landscape by tapping into the world's best data-backed research and through candid conversations with industry experts. I'm your host, Charlie Grinnell. All right, on this episode, I'm joined by Shez Mera, partner and CMO at Audio Branding. Shez, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here today. Yeah, likewise. This conversation is going to be an interesting one. I feel like audio has has been a hot topic. So before we kind of dive into that, I always go back to the beginning with, with all of our guests. So could you kind of just start at the very beginning, how you kind of got into marketing, um, how you kind of got like the focus onto audio and how it took you down that path? Sure, I'll do my best to give you the Coles notes. Um, <laughs> I was that kid banging on pots and pans, pretending to be in a band when I was three or four years old, you know, around the house. I've always had this fascination with music and and thus sound. I would press my ear up against, uh, you know, the physical stereo and, and radio in our house, imagining that band inside those speakers and how that sound came out. And I was, I was just enamored by this concept of music and sound. And then throughout grade school, I was that kid, uh, you know, at the side of the stage, watching the DJ play the songs at the school dance and so forth. Um, and then, you know, about nine or 10 years old, I had heard, I think it was a Mixed Master Mike or Beastie Boys record. Maybe it was DJ Premier. I just heard scratching for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was the coolest sound in the world. Um, and I fell deep into this rabbit hole of turntablism and hip hop culture, specifically DJing. And, you know, I, I treated myself to my first pair of turntables on my 15th birthday, started collecting all kinds of vinyl, all types of genres across decades, and really just spent all of my free time playing with, with records and trying to manipulate them and make something new out of pre-existing music. And, you know, that hobby then ended up turning into a full-time career throughout university and so forth. And I found myself playing all ages nightclubs initially across Toronto. And that led into 19 plus clubs across Toronto when I was actually underage. So I couldn't legally attend the parties I was, (laughs) I was DJing. And, you know, before I had a license, my mom would drop me off and pick me up at these nightclubs downtown, which was pretty funny. But, um, you know, I digress after that, you know, DJing continued throughout university. I started, started traveling the world and, um, you know, it was a full-time career. I was finding myself uh, all over the States, Canada, and these global events, nightclubs and corporate events, um, being the person controlling the energy uh, within those spaces via Mm -hmm. music and DJing these parties. And, you know, I did that for a number of years full-time. And I eventually decided I was tired of always being up in the air and I wanted something different. So I utilized the connections I had made globally through my own DJ career and put them to work by starting really an entertainment agency at the time. That's how it began, at least. And I started booking uh, talent, you know, all over the world. And then that led to getting involved with the marketing space formally through experiential marketing. And, you know, we would be the partner, the entertainment partner on several of these brand activations and corporate events and product launches on behalf of brands and often their agencies of record. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really how one thing led to another in terms of my journey through sound and music and my introduction, formal introduction into the marketing world. And, you know, during that time, I started asking these brands and their agencies if they really thought about and knew what their brand sounded like beyond 
that one-off activation or that one-off event, um, you know, more of a holistic approach as to, well, how do you sound when you show up on these channels or these platforms? Or, you know, what does it sound like when someone calls you or, or interacts with your app or your product? And um, I didn't really get the answer that I thought was so blatantly clear in my own head. And, you know, that's how it all kind of came to be for me. I was in those situations myself globally, looking at human beings reacting to what I was doing and noticed I had this tremendous power and governance over um, their emotions and their psychology and even their physical reactions in those settings I was in with them. And then I thought that was an interesting insight to transition, uh, you know, and apply to the marketing world because everyone was speaking about branded experiences and multisensorial marketing and all of these things that should have sound baked into them strategically and mindfully and yet uh you know they they just weren't so that was how this all sort of came to be in terms of how I landed here yeah so i'm so fascinated because i feel like hearing that story or hearing your story of you know got my start like as a dj playing shows like a lot of people will be like and, and now I'm on the railroad track, so to speak. And like, off I go down that kind of line. Right. And so it's really interesting to hear how you transition that into marketing and then like almost the curiosity or your own curiosity of just asking agencies or people on the brand side, like, how does, how does sound show up? Like, where do you, do you think that came from that like childhood thing? I'm like trying to put that together is like, why did your brain go down that path? Because I think that, you know, having my background, I've, I've done a lot of work in the, in the music space. And I just, there aren't a lot of people that think like that. So I'm just curious as to like, did you always, was there like kind of a business influence to you from an early age? Was there something your parents, like, I just find that fascinating. I've always sort of had an entrepreneurial mindset since I was a young kid. And I've always had one foot in the world of music and the other in the corporate world. And what I mean by that is even when I was in university trying to find a venue for myself to DJ and give myself mm-hmm. a forum to play my own music, you know, I realized no one was giving me the time of day or energy. So I took it upon myself to sort of cultivate that opportunity for me. And in doing so is when I learned how to deal with my professors and negotiate when I would write an exam or defer an exam. And, you know, I put together a street team of kids to flyer all the lecture halls and residences and, um, you know, did mass email marketing. So I was doing all of these things that I guess traditional agencies back then were doing in terms of, you know, XM or guerrilla marketing or yeah. all out of home, all, whatever you want to call it formally. Yeah. I was just doing that because I, I wanted, you know, a place to play my music. And so I've always sort of looked for the answers in whatever it was I was trying to solve or the questions that were in my own mind. And really the DJ perspective for me, especially globally, when sometimes my audiences didn't even speak the language of, you know, the music I was playing, uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting that I was able to cut through without saying anything and and letting you know sound and sound alone be the caveat that would influence people. And again, with the brands and, and the marketers and all of the money they are really putting behind their message to try and drive home this message and cut through to human beings and you know resonate with them and make this emotional connection and so forth to really build brand affinity and hopefully get people to buy their their product or service at the end of the day, they weren't considering how powerful sound is and, and could be for them. And mm-hmm. that was where, you know, that was the question in my mind. It was, it was like, why not? And 
um, again, it was very clear in my own mind, but it was an uphill battle to be honest, to, to mm-hmm. kind of take it from a post conversation where, you know, everything had already been done uh, in terms of strategy and creative direction and production and even the, the, the planned media buy. And usually it was like, okay, now we need to think about sound or, you know, send this to a music house or a post house or whatever. And I just, I just thought that was a huge misstep. And I thought there was a lot of possibility to uncover if we moved sound from a post conversation to a pre-conversation and put it at the top of the strategy and planning phase, often before the, you know, the creative brief was even written um, for an agency partner. And that's what I really started pushing back and and sort of poking the bear on in terms of the brands and agencies and challenging the the way they think about sound and and you know oftentimes music, but um, the conversation was bigger than just music. And you know I think that's the thing here is when when we started doing this, everyone assumed this is a music conversation yeah. until we started illustrating that well, no, like audio can be used in in differentiated ways across even mundane and boring things that you're already doing like you know buying display advertising or uh whatever you know whatever the ad dollars were going towards and uh and yeah you know once once we started having those conversations my team and i the light bulb started going off for marketers and and brand teams and even you know acc suite and i think these days, especially with how technology governs all of our lives, it's really more important than ever because people are people are looking less and and you know they're overstimulated visually. But we can't shut off our ears, right? We don't have earlids. Yeah. We can't close our ears. So yeah. that that that's what we're focused on. Yeah, super super interesting. And I I kind of want to maybe talk a little bit about just the state of of audio and marketing and kind of business and how this all kind of in, interplays together. I think, you know, historically in marketing, it's like, okay, you have like music aside, that's kind of been like the obvious one, but um, you know, you've seen brands typically kind of activate like, oh, we have a Spotify playlist or an Apple playlist, or, you know, we've kind of gone through this podcasting revolution now, right. Where like right, right. podcasting is, is blowing up, but you've kind of mentioned other applications, whether it's in display ads or retail spaces, obviously events, like there's so many different ways that that sound can kind of come to life. I would, I think probably just getting an understanding of like, where are we kind of at in this journey of audio as it relates to to marketing and the different kind of areas? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting time because, you know, everything has changed, but at the same time, nothing has changed. And what I mean by that is, the human experience, if you zoom out for a second and really just take stock of how we live our lives, mm-hmm. you, you know, we we all sort of aspire for the same things. We want to avoid conflict. We want to sort of keep our, our stress and cortisol levels down. We all want excitement and to feel happy. And we love that shot of dopamine. And so nothing has changed really in terms of all of those basic human attributes and instincts. And now, if we take those into consideration when someone interacts with our brand, even if it's the most boring of things, right? So like if I call uh, a company's phone number to complain with their customer service department, because I'm so frustrated that you know I've gone beyond the digital complaint and the chat bot and mm-hmm. the emails, and I'm to the point where I'm now actually calling you, like who picks up the phone and calls anyone anymore? But yeah. that's how, you know, that's how frustrated I am that I'm actually bothering to do this. 
even in that journey, you know, sound is an afterthought. Usually people are playing the same hold music for 40 minutes at a time. It's this, this loop that is repeating. And every few moments, like, you know, this voiceover comes on saying that we value you and thank you for your patronage and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they go back to slowly torturing you. So, you know, we really uncover every aspect that someone is interacting with the brand in the fun, cool, and sexy ways, like, you know, the big experiential campaigns and brand partnerships and that stuff, but also the really boring details of, you know, product sounds and on hold music. And once you take a holistic sort of approach as to all of these different things, you realize that, wow, there's so many points of interaction that a human being has in terms of their quote unquote brand experience, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so we look for ways to solve for making a better brand experience through audio and, you know, what might those solutions mean? And you can't paint everyone or every brand the same color. And some people might need something, whereas others don't. But, you know, when you really start digging, um, you realize, okay, this brand has a retail component. You know, they obviously have a digital spend. They're spending on TV, radio, and they're doing TikTok challenges. And you can call them. They have an app. You can interact with the app. Um, they partner with celebrities and brands, and they're doing all of this stuff. So if we can now, you know, boil that down to a strategy in terms of an audio strategy or sonic identity that can be weaved in, but flexible enough um, to be applied to all of these different places of interaction, but actually stand for something in the same way that that brand stands for something or aspires to stand for something. They mm -hmm. want to be perceived a certain way, regardless of what they're selling. They want people to feel a certain way about that company or that brand. And, you know, they try and do it through their tone of voice and their colors and their palettes and all of these other rigorous things that they go through to guide, uh, to guard that brand rather. And, you know, what are they doing sonically? Because sound is, if you, even if you don't think about it, it is in all of these places. If you walk into a store, there's something playing in the background. If yeah. I, you know, if I'm using an app, like there's notification sounds. And, and so this is happening, whether you want to deal with it or not. So, you know, that's our approach is like, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel. You are already um, speaking with people and you're already omitting sounds and audio. And you have to think about whether you want that to be uh, sort of, you know, noise that is differentiated and doesn't have a unified tone, or do you want sort of a cohesive strategy um, and, and to build a brand voice, you know, across channels and platforms and everything you do. And that way, once you have that, regardless of what the new, you know, channel of tomorrow might be, whether it's TikTok today or something else tomorrow, Clubhouse, you know, brands continue to just jump from thing to thing, whatever the yeah. trend is, all of those instances like have audio, you know, TikTok is, is a, is a huge example. Like uh, the app is useless without audio. That's yeah. the whole thing there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't think I'm obviously biased here, but I don't think audio is going away. It's a critical means of communication for the yeah. human species and yeah. has always been that way yeah. since the beginning of time and evolution before like language and things got complex, um, you know, and even like, yeah, I have young kids and, uh, there's a joke. It's like, you know, when a baby wants your attention, they don't wave at you. <laughs> right. If, if I'm driving totally. and my child is, is hungry or sleepy, 
Like, no matter no, no matter how eloquently they present that to me visually, yeah. right? They could be a child genius and draw me a sign and tell me that. But like once they're screaming, you I know. innately know. Okay. <laughs> and my attention is there. So I'm not saying brands need to be screaming at people, but yeah. we can all take something from that insight of like, huh, you know, what can we be saying to people through sound or how can we make people feel? through sound, especially subconsciously. And there's several brands that do that really well. You know, Apple being one of them mm-hmm. they have this sort of ecosystem of, of, of brand sounds and product noises and things yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. The, the, the thing that you just said that, that really resonated with me was this idea of think about how many brands out there work on their brand voice and a huge part of brown voice is sound yet in my experience, it rarely, gets, it's never yeah. been talked about, right? Like when people think brown brand voice, how does our brand show up? What's the, what's the copy we're writing? Like that yeah. sort of thing. What's the visuals, but it's so funny because like voice innately is, you know, a sound in, right. in most cases. And so that's hilarious. Like hearing you just say that, I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. That's like a massive oversight that, that many marketers probably aren't thinking about. The, the other one that you just said also, and, and I, I was going to kind of ask your take on this is I think previously, specifically around social, right? There's a lot of data out there that suggests, you know, a lot of people were consuming content on social in silence, right? So like there's been that data from Facebook and, you know, Instagram and that sort of thing. But to your point, TikTok has kind of reinvigorated that because of its roots as musically and, and, you know, this, it, it kind of being sound being that thing that kind of puts it over the top. Um, I guess like anecdotally, what I've noticed now is whenever I'm out and about and people are heads down on their phone, so many of them have headphones, but specifically AirPods in. And it's probably because the experience is so much better on TikTok with sounds or with whatever they're doing with sound. Whereas previously, when we all weren't wearing AirPods or whatever headphones, you know, wireless buds on the go, we had to keep things in silent because, you know, otherwise you're the person on the bus or on the train where like your phone goes off and you're like, (laughs) ah, shit. And you like turn it. So that's really interesting too, to see like, you know, I would have typically said, yeah, you know, audio, a lot of people consume in silence, but I would, I don't have any data to support this, but anecdotally, I think it could be shifting the other way. What do you think? You know, I think you nailed it. I think it's sort of this convergence of technology and how technology is is uh, growing and evolving, and then also that generational shift. So you think about Instagram when that launched; it was only a visual app, and then then they started foraying into you know reels and videos and IGTV and all of this other stuff, which obviously involved sound. So now it it went from um, sort of a binary means of consuming in terms of only visual consumption to this dual consumption of, of sound and visuals of hearing something and watching something. Yep. And then, you know, TikTok just leaned right into that and made, made the sound component or the audio or music component, the main focus. And mm-hmm. like you said, the, the, the visual component almost became like the ancillary sort of, uh, you know, point off the app and they mm-hmm. go hand in hand because people are doing visual things to the sounds yeah. but now you're you know those sounds are, are are becoming famous like i think the latest uber eats commercial is using one of those famous viral tiktok oh no songs like it, yeah. you know it's and and that's the point is like without saying anything you can hear something and know right away mm-hmm. that 
you know, oh no, something bad is going to happen. Or, you know, this video is going to lean into here. And without the visual context, you can just listen and, and sort of know what to expect. So I think, I think people should be given the choice. I don't think, you know, I think it's a very noisy world already with a bunch of brands and marketers and humans yelling at you and politics and just everything going on. People are exhausted you know they're, they're just mentally tapped out so do you want to show up now as the brand that is just yelling more noise into the world no but should you at least give people the option to consume things um or add to your message through sound or audio absolutely because you know i see so many ads running on um twitter and even like i'll get a sponsored targeted like ig story ad or something and if i turn the sound on it th- there's nothing there and like what a waste of mo- ad spend right like imagine how much more engaging that ad could have been if mm-hmm. those visuals were supported by sound that laddered up to the brand strategy on that buy and that campaign or what have you like so when things like that happen it just seems silly to me that you know you're already doing this was it laziness or was there a strategic means as to why this is muted like are you showing up as a mute brand to the world? Um, mm. And if so, is that a conscious decision? And then if so there, like, why? Um, because you're alienating, arguably, um, people that might be visually impaired now. So, mm-hmm. you know, then there's this whole accessibility angle. It's like, well, not everyone can see. So if you're only giving people the means to read or look at your content, uh, what about all those people that might be customers of yours that, are visually impaired or blind like yeah. do you have an do you have a strategy to connect with them you know do you have a podcast or um some sort of tech that makes your your visual content in terms of the copy audible uh, right like through mm-hmm. ai um so those are the types of things that we look to solve for is like uncovering opportunities for brands that they might even just not be aware of right yeah. and it, it might not be a conscious decision but it's adversely and negatively affecting them without them knowing it and that's a, a, in my mind that's the worst of the worst that's like you know if you own a restaurant and someone comes and eats at it and has a, a shitty experience for some reason their steaks overcooked or whatever but they don't leave you a yelp review how will you ever know like you'll never be able to fix the problem because it was yeah. never articulated so yeah. for brands that spend all this money on you know research and data and ipsos and this and that it's like well we don't even know that we're adversely affecting people yeah. um so we can't plan to fix for it because no one is telling us that right so yeah, yeah. so you're you're really plugged into brands who are kind of doing this and you know you mentioned a little earlier apple i think back to you know my previous life when i was at aritzia we had a music strategy and and music was a big part of what we were doing to create retail experiences and we were using that stuff digitally through playlists and working with djs and all that sort of stuff and my background before that at red bull music was a big part of of what we were doing who else kind of comes to mind of, you know, in terms of brands that are, that are approaching audio in a, in a great way. Now, not necessarily through a music lens, but just, I always find you have so many interesting examples of just, you know, this brand is doing this thing. And you're kind of, I was kind of like, what? And so, yeah, who are, who are some that you're like, this brand is doing a great job. I sort of default these days to MasterCard because they've gone so deep and their CMO Raja has gone so deep into actually investing in and getting behind his 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 belief and his notion that sound should be a paramount part of the 
the brand experience through and through and through and through. So, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things that I had mentioned and alluded to earlier, they've actually planned for and have deployed. And we're talking like, you know, 200 plus countries, billions yeah. of consumers, like it's a big undertaking yeah. to sort of reinvent, reinvent the wheel or, or just plan for like adding a new wheel. Like yeah. a fit, let's add a fifth to this car that has four wheels that we've always driven on for you know yeah. decades and have built this entire massive global organization on now we're gonna add something new it's like whoa whoa wait what why why are we doing this like i don't know the kind of hurdles he had to jump through with his board um to to sort of get the backing to do mm-hmm. this because you know they've spent a lot of money um totally in this space but it, it's working out for them. Like the, you know, without getting into it, like the, yeah. the data is proving that. And again, when you look at it in terms of like an investment, now they have assets that live on their PL that they can use across everything they're doing. So there's the argument that, you know, these assets are being amortized against their ad spend globally on all of these different places for years and, and probably decades to come. I don't think they're going to reinvent the wheel. Um, mm-hmm. These are long-term strategic approaches, but, you know, they have an audio logo, they have an audio identity, um, they have uh, distinct sounds for when you tap your MasterCard at a POS terminal, um, all of these, you know, all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And these are now assets that they give their agency and production partners. And anytime MasterCard shows up in market, whether it's sponsoring, you know, the US Open or um, even just a customer calling them or yeah. their latest TV spot or whatever the case is, it's like that brand is is shining through with their sonic identity. And a lot of times, again, it's subconscious people might not know or pay attention but if you do that over and over and over again it builds it actually does it you know it's sort of that pavlovian effect right and you think about like you know i grew up on um on on like wwf wrestling like back in the day right like dating myself here so like undertaker (laughs) bret hart and once you heard that theme music hit like right off the right off the first note you kind of knew you were excited for that wrestler to come out or that thing to happen or that TV show to start. And, you know, MasterCard's really doing the same thing here. They're yeah. like, oh, you know, Disney has done this forever, kids TV shows, and we know that this is powerful. So let's actually apply it to brand in the biggest, most meaningful way possible. Um, so they've really, they've really like done it properly because they've they've gone deep. And now you mentioned something else is like, we're moving towards this this convergence of worlds with the metaverse now yeah. and how you show up as a brand in that space is not going to be enough if you think your visual identity and your written copy guidelines are going to be enough to guide you through this new new reality mm-hmm. good luck because these people in that space with the new you know headphones and so forth those are all pre-wired for for things like spatial audio and 360 audio and all these different tactical uh sort of nerdy things but those become really important components of experience design not just sound design but holistic experience design because if i'm going to go to you know a new shoe drop for nike in the metaverse and i'm walking towards that lineup or whatever if now in the back of my mind and my back left um of my brain or my my 
ears, I hear an artist, I hear a sound, it's going to cause me to physically turn around and look at something else. Mm-hmm. So now it could be another brand capitalizing on, you know, Nike's moment of their drop, but they're pulling them, pulling people's attention because they have, you know, Drake performing on another stage. So like the, the, the possibilities are going to get really interesting with how people use sound. So right now we're working with a few automobile companies and I can't say their names, but on with one of them, we're specifically working on how their Spotify ads and flight sound. And, you know, they really want to reinforce safety as, as the message. And so we're doing some really cool things with spatial audio in terms of making people feel very uneasy and then resolving <laughs> for it at the end with yeah. sound of safety. And yeah. that drives home the brand message way more clearly than, you know, long form copy of someone reading off of a script. Right. Yeah. So we can say and do a lot more through sound design and, uh, and, and cohesive sonic strategy than we might be able to do through traditional cha- uh, through traditional means, which people are, are kind of tuning out now, right? Mm-hmm. Like people aren't just waiting for the TV commercial to come on or when it does, <laughs> like they're back on TikTok or Twitter or IG. Yeah. Um, they're on their second screen. So yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of like as marketers, I think we're really fighting now for scraps and, and fighting for like attention, never mind attribution and all this stuff. It's like yeah. just getting people's eyeballs on on the message and on the campaign is a task in and off itself. And then when they're there, how long are they staying for before we lose their eyeballs? Right. And all the planning and strategy and investment is done to my point, like for eyeballs. So if you, if you plan for something else, either uh, on its own or as well as the eyeballs, then even though we lose their eyeballs off the screen, whilst they're doing other things, if we can still resonate with them and get the message through, that's, that's a huge opportunity, right. As a marketer. Yeah. Well, one of the things, the the MasterCard example is fascinating because I didn't even really, I, I was thinking back to, okay, like what are some like iconic sounds? And I think about like within an iPhone, when you send a text message, right? That like sound yep. that happens <laughs> or, you know, using Apple Pay, there's like a specific thing, but I was just like, holy crap. Think about how many people, especially with COVID are tapping their cards now. And if when you tap a MasterCard versus when you tap a Visa versus when you tap an Amex or an Interact yep. card or whatever, I didn't even think about that. But like it's a huge moment to own for someone. that repetition over and over and over again, and you automatically associate that sound with that brand. Fascinating. I, I like yeah. literally didn't even think about that until you brought that up. Next time you tap somewhere for like a coffee or whatever you buy, just pay attention to that little beep or bloop, regardless of what it sounds like it's because if that sound wasn't there you wouldn't know that your payment went through and you would um the merchant and both of you would kind of be like looking at one another there'd be this awkward moment you'd be looking at the device you'd be looking at the card and it would yeah. cause so much friction and that friction is resolved you know hundreds of millions of times a day due to this little thing that nobody thinks about yeah. and that that's sort of like you know the golden nugget here is like Again, this is nothing new. We're already using it to govern our lives in yeah. ways that we don't even really think about. Like when you lock your car door, you're just relying on that sound. You walk away. You're not going back to check if it actually locked, right? Yeah. So if we take that and then find ways to apply it to brand um, or building brand across you know, the whole ecosystem of where that brand shows up and lives, those are the questions that we're having with with you know brands and marketing teams is like, let's dig a little bit deeper as to 
why we're having this audio conversation and what it really means from a long-term, like strategic, holistic point of view. Um, obviously, there's like the tactical solutions on the way and so forth, but we're, yeah. you know, hyper focused on on like really building brand uh, and, and brand affinity through strategic use of sound. Um, yeah. And then those, like you said, Apple's a great example. They don't have an audio logo per se, like McDonald's does or Netflix does. There's no stinger. Yeah. But you know, they're they're notorious for uh licensing indie music in their yeah. spots, right? And they've broken a lot of artists by doing that. And shout out to Keys and Crates, friends of mine. They they just got they were just their track was used in the latest iPhone unveiling, which is super cool. So yeah, happy that's for amazing. them. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the, the, the text message sound, when you send it, the locking your iPhone yep. down there for security and safety, the start of your MacBook, like that yeah. nice harmonious glow that your technology is working. All like, of those things. For example, Wally stole that. Remember like in the movie, yes. Wally, the animated <laughs> movie where like when he turns on it, it's the Mac thing. And I think I remember being, you know, whatever year that came in, I was sitting in the theater and that happened. I was like, I know that sound. I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> right, right. And um, no, it's it's really interesting when you start digging a bit deeper as to how human beings um, respond to sound and yeah. how our, our brains are are just hardwired to do so. You know, as we're being formed in, in the womb, like hearing is our first sense that has developed and it's such a powerful thing. And ironically, as an industry um, that prides herself on communications. Mm -hmm. It's it's something we've been largely ignoring. But I think now again, due to the the overload and the overstimulation and technology and just where things are, I think marketers are now like being forced to pay attention to a very old concept because mm -hmm. they're losing they're losing you know they're losing people to yeah. what they've always been doing and they need to find another way to cut through. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like, right. To your point, like it being the most competitive that it's ever been, it's, it's, it sounds like it's something that's been kind of glazed over by brands and, and, and also now they're going, huh, okay. That's super competitive. Like what else can we be doing to make sure that we have our, our bases covered? And I'm curious to see how that plays out. Like as we, uh, as we enter the metaverse, whatever that actually means. I mean, I think, you know, it still is early days there, but there was something that I wanted to get your take on. I, um, I was listening to either the Prof G show or pivot one of Scott Galloway's podcasts that he's on. And he had a really interesting take about the metaverse and accessing the metaverse and his, his kind of thought process behind it was, you know, typically a lot of brands are talking about whether it's Snap, whether it's Facebook with Ray Brands, like the way that you are going to access the metaverse is through like a visual thing, glass, yeah. like a, yeah. a, 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 you know, a set of glasses or something like that, maybe a contact lens. And he had a really interesting take that I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on is he's like, let's think about this. AirPods is the largest headphone business in the world, like the amount of AirPods that have been sold. And he's like, is Apple actually going to lead the way into the metaverse through AirPods? Because it's something that people are so used to wearing and keep on. And like, that's going to be the gateway. And I found that incredibly fascinating because I, I, you know, everyone's kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, you're going to be able to meet with your friends in, in the metaverse and look around. But he was like, no, no, like the device actually could be in your ear. And that's actually going to be the gateway for, for you to get into the metaverse. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a super cool point. I think there is this sort of ubiquitous marriage of hardware 
and that that is going to be like you know the thing that it's going to be this overlooked thing it's like you know the the chip that powers the thing that powers the thing that you know if someone buys something but like as yeah. we're learning today like without the chips good luck getting the experience you're trying to get i'm trying to order a car right now and there's a 10 month backlog and yeah. they're saying it's due to chips so yeah. you know if headphones and earpods rather can become that that component that's a huge advantage and i I think it's a great point. I don't know if that will be the case, but what a great strategy, right? For Apple to yeah. sort of, because you can't experience that world, even with the latest glasses or HoloLens or whatever the case is, you still need something to listen. And it's been proven and proven again, that experience is going to suck if the sounds within it don't line up to what mm -hmm. is happening visually. And that's actually a huge frustration with the VR industry or the early VR industry was like this cognitive dissonance that occurred between what was happening visually yeah. and and the sounds not correlating to it as they would naturally and again because humans and our brains are are just hardwired to you know have sound and visuals um consumed and processed and digested a very specific way mm -hmm. now that we're trying to augment that in a virtual or fake setting, yeah. um, if something is off there, it's gonna it's gonna just mess with your head and actually yeah. cause distress and work against you. It's like you know watching a used to watch like kung fu movies, those Wu Tang ones, and the overdubbing was so bad on them, right? Yeah. Where it's just like after 15 minutes, you're like I can't do this anymore. Like the <laughs> lips are not matching up with the sound, and so that's a thing now. Like if you don't actually plan for this and solve for those issues no matter how good your brand partnership or your activation within the metaverse is and however much star power and ad spend you have behind it, if something small uh, attributed to sound is causing this dissonance or friction and subconsciously, especially where again, people don't even know why they're feeling sick or feeling off, it's going to, it's going to do, it's going to put them off of your brand. Right. Like, yeah. so um, yeah, you know, to your point, I do think like, the earpod, the AirPod could be a great way for Apple to, Apple to capitalize on the space yeah. and kind of take a leadership position within it because it's something everyone, whether it's their product or not, you're going to need something to put in your ear or over your ear yeah. to experience that world in, in the best way possible, right? Yeah. And I think this, the scale too, right? Like they've already kind of, you know, why, why they're so much further ahead is you think about how many pairs of AirPods that have been sold versus... Versus Oculus versus yep. Snap Spectacles. I always like say like Google distribution Glass. over product, right? Like totally. You can always improve your product. And yeah. so many people get hyper-focused on product and it's like, no, distribution always wins. Yep. Reach always wins. And yeah. you know, Apple, yeah, they're, they're smart marketers. They know what they're doing. If they're getting the whole world sort of uh, on their product or on their hardware as like the table stakes um, for people's normal lives. And those things can also... Uh, be functional enough to handle what is happening in the metaverse. What a win for them, right? Yeah, totally, totally. I want to I want to switch gears here a little bit and kind of talk about the the future. What like you know again, you've touched so many different parts of of audio. What excites you the most just about the the potential of audio and how it works in to marketing? Like for you know our audience on this podcast is typically consumer marketers. Like, what's the thing that you're sitting there going? Hey, this is really, really cool. And I think this is going to be a big thing. And, you know, this is something that gets me fired up about marketing in 2022 and beyond. Sure. Yeah. There's a few things. Um, 
So one is accessibility. You know, I, I think the world should be accessible to everyone within it. And I think you can do some really interesting things with audio to make the world a uh, better, more accessible place for those that are often overlooked. And I mentioned, you know, one aspect of taking written copy and through AI and tech and audio tech, making it all audible so you don't alienate a subsection of this planet and not give them access to content that they might be looking for or want to consume. So there's that. And then also within that world, you know, we're working with a really interesting startup right now, a partner of ours. Um, they're basically doing uh, audible guided experiences and ways for companies and physical places, whether it's a McDonald's or a municipality to help people actually get around. And mm -hmm. so people don't have to rely on um, Grail and, and touching things. And especially yeah. in a COVID and a post COVID world, like, you know, most times someone that's blind has either an aid with them or they're relying on someone to help them navigate this world. And now, so now if we can work with, you know, municipalities, just physical places and spaces, and they can be guided through their world through uh, an audible journey, that's a big, big thing that we can solve for, for people that are visually impaired. Um, that might encourage that section of the population to actually get out more and experience things in a way that they haven't been able to do so before. So that's sort of one aspect is like accessibility. Um, the other thing that I'm really excited about, and this is kind of like the, the advertiser nerd in me is, yeah. um, you know, what is happening with programmatic audio and the possibilities there. And so, you know, we're working with a couple of brands where we're just trying to get them into this world of well, what would programmatic audio mean and, and, you know, how do we show up in that instance or whatever, but like, you know, let's zoom out for a second and, and try and boil it down. If you are, um, if you're like Frito-Lay or Pepsi or something, right. And you want to, you want to like own Super Bowl Sunday. Well, if you have a big account with a grocery retailer, then wouldn't it make sense for what you heard in the background off that grocery store on Super Bowl Sunday to be messaging for that product that you want to sell while you were in the aisle for that product already. And so now we can hyper-target the type of messaging in in a in a really contextual way, right? Like forget spending uh on like coupons and prints and catalogs to hopefully get you're, you know, to sell more Charmins or sell more Doritos, as you're talking about CPG marketers, especially yeah. like you know, consumer marketers, people want to buy stuff, right? Like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to convince them? Well, they're already in the grocery store. So imagine you can now target people that are already in that setting. You don't have to worry about, you know, how the copy and the visual design in that flyer that's going to go to their home and get shipped out. And you hope that flyer is going to bring them into the store. Like, forget all that. They're in the store. Now, what can we do? And so, you know, if it's morning, well, what a great time to be marketing, you know, bacon and eggs and breakfast products, right? And then as the day goes on and we, we're we already controlling the background music in those instances in terms of the energies and the ebbs and flows of, you know, the lulls in the day and the busy hours and the weekends versus the weekdays and so forth. So contextualizing all of that from an environment perspective and putting in marketing messaging strategically for those 
advertisers or brands that want to work with, you know, a Loblaws or a Sobeys group or whatever, there are some really interesting things that can and will be done moving forward in terms of how people are spending with regards to programmatic audio and actually not just spending for the sake of doing so, but hopefully like making consumers' lives easier and better and, you know, thoughtfully selling more product at the end of the day. Also from a CPG perspective, I think, uh, again, especially having young kids, <laughs> I don't know if this is done consciously or not, but like, any kind of CPG product, you know, cookies, chips, those packages are so freaking noisy, right? <laughs> like that as soon as you kind of just try and open it, my kids' eyes are all over me saying like, what are you eating? Yeah. And so, you know, I hope that was done strategically um, because <laughs> what sort of better way to get attention? You open a Coke, right? It sounds a certain way. Like it's really hard to crack a Coke and get by that. Like you didn't open a can of a pop. Yeah. And so um, who was the brand actually? There was a brand, was it Sun Chips? I think like about a decade ago, I think it was Sun Chips. I think that's a Pepsi brand. Yeah. I think um, they did the sustainable packaging okay. where they were trying to be like really, you know, eco-friendly and earth conscious. So they did this new package and the bloody bag was so noisy. Like it measured at a crazy decibel volume crazy. that it was like just pissing off people. Yeah. And there was this, like, there, if you go on YouTube and type noisy sun chips bag, there's like people like opening the bag and it being a whole thing. And yeah. it totally backfired because they didn't plan for how the, the packaging might sound. Right. <laughs> um, so they had to go back and waste a whole lot of money and redesign the package. So, you know, with regards to CPG and product marketers, yeah, like sound and audio can actually play into the products you are selling as well. And then yeah. also you can use it strategically, right? Like Snap, Crackle, Pop or Rice Krispies. These yeah. are really boring freaking products, but the excitement of that crackle, yeah. right? The kids listening, right? Remember yeah. like pouring bowl oh, and yeah. listening to that. That's, that's what makes it exciting. So you might be able to uncover something from a CPG perspective that actually builds the whole brand story around the product. And then that ladders up to everything else you're able to do. Snapple, yeah. right? Like you open a Snapple, the sound of freshness, yeah. Nescafe or whatever, you, you click it and they have this like glue in this paper. If, the, if you look at the top of a Nescafe bottle or can or whatever, and so it sounds like freshness when you, yeah. when you pop it. So there's there's so much cool stuff that, Again, you don't really think about these things every day, but when you kind of just stop and look at how we live our lives and realize what has always been happening, yeah. you're like, huh, okay, sound is clearly affecting you know, all these different experiences I have. And <laughs> funny story, really quick, I know we're almost at time, but yeah. with regards to the Apple, like the text notification sound, yeah. my friend's going to kill me for this, but uh, <laughs> you know, my partner on audio branding, so he uh, was going to propose to his girlfriend. And so he had like a picture of the ring and everything, and he meant to send it to his dad and he sent it to his girlfriend. He texted oh her and he was like, right when I heard that notification sound, I was like, oh shit. Oh my God. I realized this text went through to the wrong person. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a hilarious story and it sucks for him, but at the end of it, like she said, yes, so it's all good. But you know, <laughs> The way sound can really like control our emotions and affect us is, is a super big deal. And I hope, I really hope, you know, um, brands and marketers uh, think about that meaningfully and, and not because they want to like get louder or shout at the world. And sometimes, sometimes silence is, is the most powerful thing as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not always about making more sound. Sometimes less is more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's power in silence, just like there's power in like 
in, in white space in, yeah. in design. Like you don't yeah. want to overcrowd a, a page. Um, it's the same thing with sound. Like you got to be mindful of what you're saying and how you're saying it. Yeah, for sure. One of the last questions I want to ask you, I ask this to every guest. How do you stay up to date on business and marketing? Who are you listening to? Who are you following? What are you reading? I'm always I'm always super curious to to hear. Um, it's really a smorgasbord of stuff, um, <laughs> and it, it's it's like I try and be a student of life, and what I mean by that is like I don't only try and educate myself through marketing and brand and industry specific things. I find a lot of the time by listening to something completely just opposed. Uh, you can pick up something and then apply it to your industry. So I really just try and digest a healthy balance of, of, you know, information and content, if you will. And I do that through reading books, through listening to podcasts, um, you know, two Bobs, I listen to a lot, shout out to Blair ends and, and, uh, and David over there and, and Trapital has a really cool podcast, uh, Dan Runcy on this convergence of like hip hop and business and all of cool things that, came to be from, you know, that world. And you worked at Red Bull, you know, the importance of culture marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of brands are just sort of realizing that now. No, I'm really fascinated by like, you know, the convergence of like uh, technology, music, obviously sound and audio, but also just the human experience, psychology, um, you know, how, how people think about things, cognitive biases and humans and all these nerdy things. I was an economics major, right? So like mm. I'm really interested in fear and greed and emotions driving yeah. um, markets and and sort of rational thoughts and supply and demand and all that stuff from a macro perspective. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a nerd through and through, <laughs> but uh, no, like, you know, I'm always looking for, for new stuff. So if anyone has, if, if you're listening today and you have something to send my way, please do so. I would love to uncover something new. Yeah, and that that spurs my my final question. What's the best place for people to get a hold of you? Um, you I'm really active on on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to reach me um, in terms of connecting with me and keeping up with me. I'm not really active on social or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my LinkedIn is really simple. It's Shezmera, S-H-E-Z-M-E-H-R-A, or Shezmera.com. If you type that in, it'll take you there. And then my email, I'll put it out there as well. It's just sm at Shezmera.com. Um, you know, through that, you will kind of find all of the companies and ventures and, and startups and different things that I'm involved with. I don't want to ramble about all of those right now, but uh, yeah, that's that's probably the best way to start a conversation. Sounds good. Well, to everybody listening out there, Shez is an incredible wealth of knowledge in this space. So if you do have any questions, definitely don't hesitate to hit them up. Shez, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Such an interesting conversation about an an interesting space that I feel like is going to continue to kind of take over. Um, So yeah, really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Likewise, I I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, always happy to have this conversation. And thanks again. Have a great one. For show notes, other episodes, and more content, check out rightmetric.co. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.